Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Have you ever had somebody tell you to not think about something? It seems that just as soon as they tell you not to think about it, that becomes the one thing that you can't stop thinking about. For instance, when I go to the dentist, I could be sitting in the waiting room and I wouldn't even give a thought to needing to swallow. But as soon as I get in that dentist chair, which by the way, recently happened to me, that's why it's front of mind. As soon as I get in the dentist chair and they lean me back and they say, now don't swallow, the one thing that I think I have to do, not just once, but over and over again, and I can't stop thinking about it, is swallowing. That becomes the consuming thought within my mind. Well, you get the idea. Sometimes it's just the suggestion that we can't do something or we shouldn't do something that then drives us to think about doing that very thing. One of the areas that I've seen this happen time and again when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ is related to the area of worry and anxiety. When we're walking with Jesus Christ and discipling with him, if we ever feel anxious about something, the one thing that doesn't really seem to help is to have another believer or to even just have it presented before us, this idea that comes from Philippians 4, 6, this passage of scripture that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, most people that I know who have had some type of breakthrough in the area of anxiety, that breakthrough didn't come about because somebody quoted the scripture to them. It's not because somebody just came up to them and said, oh, you're feeling anxious? You need to stop feeling anxious. Philippians 4, 6 says that was not the, the one thing that took them over that threshold and help them get over anxiety. There's no switch that somebody who's feeling anxious can just flip on or off and all of a sudden say, okay, well, I just won't feel anxious anymore. In all honesty, if I quote Philippians 4, 6 to somebody, that person who is in turmoil and feeling anxious, most likely what will happen is it will just add a sense of guilt onto their anxiety. They'll say, oh, great. Now I'm not just anxious, now I feel like I'm a really bad Christian and I'm not understanding how to live out my faith very well. So they neither get over the anxiety and on top of that, they feel like they can't turn to God because of it. Over this past year, I've experienced some measure of anxiety in my life and in the lives of many other people that I've come across, this year has been, it seems like just a, a building bomb of anxiety for so many people, they felt it and experienced it in so many ways. Uh, physically is one of the main ways that we can feel anxiety show up in our lives. Tension in the shoulders, a tight jaw or a tense stomach, clenched fists, headaches. All of these are physical signs that we're dealing with an anxiousness or uh, a, a certain tension that comes with anxiety within our lives. In attitudes, Oftentimes it displays itself that we're always on edge. We're always in this feeling that we have a short fuse. We're, we're overly critical of ourselves or other people when we're in the throes of anxiety. Our behaviors, we are less kind to people. 
we're often more judgmental with our words and the way that we view people. We can often be more aggressive or pushy with people when we feel anxious about something. Or sometimes the flip side of that is true. We might become more withdrawn and even depressed in feeling anxiety. Other people experience it in even more extreme ways. Some people, when they feel anxious, have panic attacks. They might go into not just a type of depression, but a deep depression that causes them to feel a heaviness and a sadness. Some go into life-controlling behaviors. They either start new ones or they re-engage in ones that they hadn't experienced in a long time. We found this to be true over the past year that people were re-engaging in life-controlling habits as the anxiety of the moment seemed to take hold of them. And then finally, some will just end relationships by being overly aggressive and driving people away, or they themselves will withdraw from relationships and abandon relationships because of the anxiety that they're feeling. Now, feeling anxious will undoubtedly have a really harmful impact on our lives if it goes unchecked. And I believe that's why scripture is very clear that we're not supposed to live in anxiety. This is true for those who readily recognize that they're dealing with anxiety. Some people are very good at that and they can identify it and name it. But it also applies to those who mask anxiety they might say things like, well, I'm just a super focused and driven individual. But that super focused and driven personality is actually anxiety beneath the surface. And it just shows itself by pushing on people, driving against people and pushing against and, and seeking out certain outcomes. Or maybe they say, I just care so much. That's why I push so hard. Again, that sounds maybe more spiritual, more um, eloquent or more of a valuable trait, but it's beneath the surface anxiety that I'm not okay with the things the way they are. And I'm going to push and I'm going to pull and I'm going to move people until I get things the way that I want. On the other side of the spectrum, you might have somebody who says, you know, they're just going to do what they want. It doesn't matter what I do anyways. In fact, I don't matter. It just doesn't matter whether I'm engaged or not. And then they withdraw from the situation or they withdraw from relationships and other people. So all of these, whether they're recognized or masked, uh, they're, they're ways that anxiety affects our lives. It, it moves in and it causes us to act in ways that are contrary to our life in Jesus Christ. Now the life that we have in Jesus, it's intended to produce a different type of outcome in our life. In fact, that's at the heart, that's, that's the very focus of our vision at New Horizons. Our vision is that we're becoming people deeply connected to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, living as an expression of God's love to the world. Now, when you read that vision, I don't think you see anxiety underladen uh, beneath the surface on that. That speaks to a person who is at rest with Jesus. Instead of that type of life, when we're experiencing and we're living in anxiety, we're pushed and pulled into words and actions and a way of life that is not at rest until we feel like we have enough control 
of either the circumstance or the people in our lives that then allow us to feel like we can be at rest. Of course, the problem with that is that we find out very quickly we have very little control over all the people or the circumstances in our lives. So when we're struggling with anxiety, it really feels like sometimes it can go on and on because we have so little control over things. Well, in this message, what I want us to do is to see the roots of anxiety, how we can identify it, and how we can move from living in it and experiencing it ongoing into the life that Jesus offers to us and engaging more fully in this life that is free and is at rest in Jesus, regardless of how the people or the circumstances around us are affecting us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us this type of life, that you offer to us a life that is deeply connected to you, a life that is full of your Holy Spirit and a life that puts on display your great love for this world. But Father, there's a lot at work. There's a lot at work and none of it has caught you by surprise. And even when you walked on the earth and lived your life, you didn't live as one who was anxious all the time, but you lived at rest in the Father's will and accomplishing the Father's purposes. And so Lord, that is the type of life we point to and we aspire to. That's the type of life this, during this time and this message that I pray that we'll discover through the scriptures and through your Holy Spirit leading us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us to go back to that passage in Philippians chapter 4 because the passage itself and the scripture, of course, is not wrong. We believe God's word is infallible and we can stand on it. It is truth. It is not just a truth. It is the truth. And it can lead us forward into this abundant life in Jesus. The problem is, is that when I take or maybe you take a single verse out of its context, we lose the perspective that it's really trying to provide for us. And so instead of just looking at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, I want us to go back to verse 4 and actually read through verse 7 and have a better context for what it is that we're supposed to understand about not being anxious. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the reasons putting verse 6 in context is important is because right before verse 6 and that instruction not to worry is a very short but very, very important bit of information. It says, the Lord is at hand. That precedes that portion that says, do not worry. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand don't be anxious about anything. Now, this is such a critical part to this instruction not to worry 
It does, again, as I said before, it does very little good just to tell somebody, stop worrying, stop being anxious, because quite honestly, there are a lot of reasons for people to feel anxious. Right now, there are any number of things that you could think about in your life or the lives, uh, lives of those you care about, and it could give cause or reason to feel anxious. Just this past year, here are some of the things that we could identify that would cause us to feel anxious. There are people who have lost jobs and housing. There is schooling that has been somewhat chaotic over this past year, in person, online, back and forth. Many activities for children and youth that have been changed or canceled. There's literally a pandemic from a virus that nobody really knew anything about. We were learning on the fly of how dangerous it was or how contagious it was, how to address it, how to treat it. Nobody knew anything about it. And then on top of that, the confusion is the discord about how to address it and how to take care of it, how to approach it. Social unrest around the world, but especially here in the United States, we've seen people uh, actively uh, protesting, rioting. We have seen political unrest throughout the election year of 2020 with contested results, protests, and again, riots from all types of groups, both spectrums of political groups. Then to add to that, for those of us who follow Jesus and are part of his church, we have seen within the church more divisions arising from Christian nationalism, which is dividing up the church between right and left, and also progressivism, which is dividing up the church along social issues. So when somebody would say, why are you anxious? I could give you a whole number of reasons, as you could as well, I'm sure, of your own life and own experience, reasons that we could be anxious, reasons, things that are happening in the world around us that could definitely give cause to us feeling a measure of anxiety. So yeah, there's just a few reasons you might feel anxious today. In fact, let me break it down to this very simple reality. Anytime change occurs, any type of change, even good changes, that could give rise to you or I feeling anxious. Change itself causes us to feel a measure of anxiety. And depending upon how severe the change is, how drastic the change is, or simple, can determine how anxious we actually feel. Now, over the years, uh, I have worked with a grid that's called the Lippert uh, Noster model for managing complex change. A bit of a long description about it, but really what it is, is it's a grid that identifies uh, what might be causing some of the anxiety that can be experienced as a result of change taking place. And in addition, it helps, the idea is that it can help identify what is needed in order to help us walk through a successful change. So I'm putting that up on the screen. And as you're looking at it, let me give you just a brief understanding of how it is that it works. If you follow along the top line, you'll notice that it takes a few things for us to process change in a successful way. It's a combination of vision, plus skills, plus incentives, plus resources, plus an action plan, and that equals uh, a successful change. 
So as you look down the matrix and work your way from the top down, you can see that when any one of these items is missing, you likely experience a different outcome than a successful change. For example, as you look at that second line, when vision is missing and all you have are the skills, incentives, resources, and an action plan, oftentimes the outcome would be confusion and so on. So as you work down the grid, you can see how when something's missing, a different outcome than successful change comes about. Now, I use this again just to encourage people to try and identify what they're feeling on the right-hand column, and then maybe that will help them discover what's missing as they're trying to process change. Uh, so again, I, I hope it's helpful for you. It's just a little resource that uh, maybe you can uh, capture a picture of it or just write it down, pause this message, write it down, and, or reference it online. You can look it up. It's, it's provided online in different formats. So possibly that's something for you and that will, that will help you. So let's go back to Philippians 4 because um, while these resources, types of things are helpful, uh, I believe that scripture is the ultimate authority to help us move forward in our discipling relationship with Jesus. So why do we experience anxiety in the first place? Why does it really come about? Well, more often than not, what happens is we feel like something is missing. We have a sense a, of a loss of control in our lives, and we don't really know how to bring things back into control. That's why oftentimes the most anxious person in the room is the one who is the most aggressive and loudest and taking the most action, or will be the person who is most withdrawn and wants to be the wallflower and just kind of sinking back into uh, the wallpaper and, and disappearing because they feel overwhelmed by this sense that they can't control what is happening. So again, it could be the most demanding person. They're giving orders, they're barking out, they're making things happen. And even though it looks like they're very much settled and in control, what's often beneath the surface is that there's a sense of lack of control and they need the world to be right for them again. So they begin to raise the tension in the room that people can feel the tension increase as demands are made that people comply and do what needs to be done in order to make the world right again for that individual. I know for myself, this can often be the approach that I take. Jerry will know when I'm tense and when I'm anxious about something, my, my speech becomes more abrupt and I'm just saying things very quickly. I'm not very conversational. Uh, I feel it in my body. I get more tense. I'm often in my jaw more tight. Uh, and, and so it's because all is not right in my world. And so I'm feeling anxious and I'm trying to take control of it again. Now, both of these responses, again, whether I'm being more aggressive and commanding or whether I'm withdrawn and trying to remove myself from the situation, even though they're opposite of one another, they still stem from a, a similar issue. When we feel out of control, anxiety elevates and we begin to change the room around us and those around us. And they're moved one way or the other by us. When we don't like the tension that we're living in uh, we, and we can't fix it now, the question is, what do we do? Again, the, the approach without Christ is to begin to make people conform and make the situation conform so we can feel at peace again. But Philippians 4 moves us a different direction. 
it moves us in the direction of saying, listen, whether you can control the things around you or not, you are given the privilege of experiencing peace, a peace that passes the understanding. The understanding is that everything makes sense to us, right? We can understand having peace when everything is in control. What people don't understand, what we don't really have an understanding about is how can we have peace when we're missing all these components to our life that are supposed to bring us peace? How do we have peace when there's chaos? How do we have peace when there's social unrest? How do we have peace when the person that we voted for didn't get elected into office? What we're discovering is that some people have lost it in the church. They have completely lost their sense of peace because they've tied it to specific circumstances, people and circumstances around them. And the way of Jesus is meant to be different. Listen, if I can encourage you, if you're not experiencing peace right now, can I ask you what's happening in the circumstances around you? Are you trying to solicit peace from a good medical diagnosis? Are you trying to solicit peace from a stronger financial position? Are you getting peace because everybody agrees with you or you're getting along with everybody just wonderfully? Is that going to really bring you peace? Please hear this. It's not that it's wrong to want to be in peace with others around us. Absolutely, that's a biblical directive. Try and live at peace as much as it depends upon you. That's, that's straight out of scripture. But what you and I need to understand is that we will never have a life on this earth. There will never be a moment when everything is perfect. That time is reserved for when Christ comes in his kingdom and sets all things right. Then perfect peace in the presence of Jesus, in the fullness, face-to-face -face presence, everything will be understood and we will be we will know even as we are known. And as scripture talks about in Revelation, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. So yes, you're right for wanting for that experience, but not to bring you down. But I gotta tell you, that's not coming now. It's not coming while you have air in your lungs in this life. While we're here on this earth, as Jesus pointed to, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and father against child, child against parent. There will be unrest and unease in the world all around us. And it's in this context that we turn to Philippians 4, and it points us not to the world around you needs to get right. The world around you is going to be uneasy and, it, and not at rest. And so Philippians 4 points you to someone else and says, he will put you at rest not your circumstances. Philippians 4, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious. The basis for your peace and rest is that the Lord is near. He's near in the sense that he understands you. There's nothing that he doesn't know that's, that's going on in your life. He's, he's not distant and disconnected and unaware. The Lord is near, Philippians 4 says. And so he is very much aware. And so that's why the directive then points you to, so pray about it. Bring it to him. Not because you're supposed to just ignore or get past or get over any anxiety. It says, don't be anxious 
because the Lord is near. That's why you can find yourself at rest in him. You can find yourself in his presence and he cares about you. And the other thing about the Lord being near is not just in terms of the here and now and understanding your circumstances, but the Lord is near in terms of the time is coming short. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> Hopefully I get an amen out of you as you're watching this. Jesus Christ is coming again soon in his lordship and his kingship, and he will set all things right. And so that idea of the Lord is near has a double-edged point to it. One is he's near to you right now. He is not distant. He is very present with you, and he cares about the things that are affecting you. And so put yourself at rest in him, knowing that you lack nothing. You find your contentment in your relationship with him. But the other side of that isn't just short-sighted and saying he can help you through these immediate circumstances. It is turning your gaze heavenward and saying the Lord is coming soon. He is near. This time when this world and all of its dysfunction and brokenness is going to end, that time is coming near. So look to Jesus, the soon coming King, and find yourself at rest, knowing that it's just a little while longer before he puts all things right. I wanna just close at that point. I'm not asking you to flip a switch on and off and not feel anxious. What I'm encouraging you to do is to not have your eyes on the people and the circumstances around you, not looking all around and saying, these things all have to change, these people have to change in order for me to feel at rest, no. No, don't allow your peace to be contingent on circumstances and people. Allow your peace to come knowing that the Lord is near, that you have a very present God who cares about you and he's very aware of who you are and what's happening now. And you can begin to pray to him and bring these things before him and allow him to meet you in that place and put you at rest in his presence. You have a God, you have a soon coming King who is going to take all of the brokenness of this life and he's going to set it right in his kingdom. And it's coming soon. It's not hope delayed, it's hope coming soon in Jesus's return. So find yourself at peace knowing that he's near and he's coming soon. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you we thank you that you can put us at rest. Lord, we can live in that tension between the now and not yet. That tension that right now you want to be very present with us and you want to help us recognize your kingdom has come into our lives. And so we can experience the change that you've brought to us in the here and now. But Lord, there's also the tension of the not yet. It's the life that we desire in its completion and its fullness. And that doesn't come until you return. It doesn't come until you come as the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you make all things new. You put the kingdoms of this world under your foot and you rule with true justice and true righteousness. So in this in-between time, Lord, I pray, I pray you'd help us not to be anxious people pushing and pulling on others, breaking relationship, withdrawing, being drivers and commanders, barking out orders, trying to make the world fit us. But Lord, that we would be people who are deeply at rest in you, 
not passive, not indifferent about what's happening in the world around us, but compassionate, loving people who are pursuing you with all that we have, who are bringing along as many as possible into your kingdom, but who find ourselves deeply at rest, even, even when the circumstances and the people around us would give us cause to feel anxious, Lord, we remember that you're near. We're reminded that you're very present with us and we can take all of this and everything else that we're not aware of, we can take it all before you in prayer and we can set ourselves at peace with the Prince of Peace. And we can receive from you this peace that even passes our own understanding. It doesn't have to go through the filter of making sense in order for us to receive it, but it comes to us out of this deepened relationship with you, living full of the Holy Spirit as an expression of your love to the world around us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.